today is a new beginning, and so I thought I'd start with the last chapter of the Tao Te Ching. This is the version by Ursula K. Le Guin. True words aren't charming. Charming words aren't true. Good people aren't conscientious. Conscientious people aren't good. People who know aren't learned. Learned people don't know. Wise souls don't hoard. The more they do for others, the more they have. The more they give, the richer they are. The way of heaven profits without destroying. Doing without outdoing is the way of the wise. In a moment, we're going to get into our first audio journal conversation with previous podcast guest Sam McLean on purpose and path. And then what will appear as separate episodes in your podcast player on your phone or as a group listing here on the website, we will have conversations with Nick Pohl and Margot Rossi on clean language and embodied presence, a book review from Oren Kaviti, as well as an app review from myself, a conversation on COVID and grief with Shauna Safle and Heidi Lovey. Ron Evan shares a Jingfang case using Buntun Tang that illuminates the classics. Mary Beth Huey will be sharing her insights on marketing seriously. If the word marketing bothers you, be sure to listen to this one. And finally, we'll have the first half of a conversation between Jonathan Bluestein and Stephen Jakovitz. Today is the first full day of summer here in the Northern Hemisphere, a moment ripe with fruition and light. And I'm delighted to bring you this first edition of the Geological Audio Journal and our shift to a new business model for the podcast. If you've been in practice for any length of time, you know that businesses, much like any organic being, change and develop as they grow to meet the challenges of their environment. Last year, I expanded Geological to include some online CEO opportunities. And what I discovered is that that choice took away from the main focus of the podcast, which is the weekly conversations that you tune in for. It's not easy building something and then realizing that you've taken yourself in the wrong direction. But it's better to face reality, thank your past self for the good intentions, and then move forward. What I've learned is that it's helpful to have a guiding star. And the guiding star of Geological is to curate East Asian medicine and methods through the power of conversation. Over these almost four years, I have had the good fortune to sit down with a wide variety of practitioners and to share with you a glimpse of East Asian medicine through their eyes. Not only will Geological continue to bring you those conversations in the future, but through the quarterly audio journal, you'll be hearing from practitioners like yourself who are deeply engaged in the medicine. Going Forward Geological will continue to publish every Tuesday morning. One episode a month will be available for free. The remaining conversations are available to members of the podcast. Annual memberships are $179 for practitioners and $99 for students. There are also institutional memberships available to schools. Membership includes access to the entire Geological Library, the Quarterly Audio Journal, and 10% off of the occasional geological live events that we'll be having from time to time. 
For the next five days until June 27th, you can get 40% off your first year of Geological when you use the code I love Geological, all one word. As ever, here at Geological, we invite you to wonder often, listen, learn. Today's special audio journal edition comes to you with support from AccuFast. The AccuFast movement supports your practice and the planet. You probably regularly encourage your patients to get out into nature because you know the deep restorative potential of the natural world. Imagine sending your patients out into a beautiful grove of 240 oxygen-exuding trees. Now imagine you've had a hand in planting those climate-restoring trees. We need both the yin of reducing our impact on the planet and the yang of actively attending to its restoration. AccuFast's high-quality needles and innovative packaging can reduce the AccuWaste from your clinic by up to 99%. And with the purchase of every two boxes, they plant a tree. Using the AccuFast system, the average acupuncturist will plant 240 trees over the course of a decade. 10,000 practitioners using AccuFast could potentially plant over 2 million trees per decade. Reduce your waste and grow your forest with AccuFast and bring harmony to both your patients and the planet. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash GrowYourForest to learn more and calculate the positive environmental impact that you can make in your practice. AccuFast Needles, because you care about people and the planet. Feeling overwhelmed? Real mushrooms can help. The cognitive impact of feeling perpetually overwhelmed by current times can manifest as difficulty concentrating, trouble with logical thinking, or a racing mind. Chinese medicine has long been known for using medicinal mushrooms. Lion's mane is prized for simultaneously tonifying that extraordinary organ, the brain, along with the five yin organs. Today, we have access to mushroom supplements that are pure and organic. No grain, no fillers. That's what Real Mushrooms is all about. Visit realmushrooms.com slash chi to get pro pricing and direct shipment to your patients. You know, we all share a passion for path and for purpose. I suspect that's what has brought you to the practice of medicine. Let's listen in to this first audio journal conversation with Sam McLean. Sam McLean, welcome back to Geological. Thank you, Michael. Such a pleasure to be here. A delight to have you here. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation that we had about horses, because it was a lot more than just about horses. <laughs> I enjoyed it, too. And we've had some other conversations just because mm -hmm. in between then and now. Yes. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting about you that while you are this kind of, I'm not going to say horse whisperer, you're this horse, you're this hands-on horse person. It's like horses is metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> More than metaphor. But prior to this incarnation that you're living now, the way your life is at this moment, you used to be more in a corporate world. You helped people with their purpose and their business and uh, some marketing stuff. I mean, a number of, I'm just going to put it under that umbrella of business. Mm -hmm. And we've had some delightful conversations around business because business is such, especially when you're self-employed. Mm -hmm. And actually, the truth is, even if you're not self-employed, 
We're always in business for ourselves. Right. Right. Even if you're an employee, you still have to know what you're here for. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I wanted to explore a little bit with you today mm-hmm. for our listening audience, because we often will get a small introduction to business or thinking about marketing or business plans and that kind of thing in school. I think a bigger question that we all have to answer at some level, and it's a great question, is that question of what are we here for? Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to sit back down with you and noodle on that question. Mm. Well, I love the question a lot. And I was thinking about it, obviously, you know, for the last few days or so. And I was just pondering and I thought, okay, something will come to me that will give me some inspiration. And so an Aldous Huxley quote Mm. appeared. Would you mind if I read it? Oh, I'd love it. Yeah. And I apologize. I have no idea where this comes from. I, of course, found it on the internet. So it's Aldous Huxley. It's dark because you are trying too hard. Lightly, child, lightly. Learn to do everything lightly. Yes, feel lightly, even though you are feeling deeply. Just lightly let things happen and lightly cope with them. I was so preposterously serious in those days. Lightly, lightly, it's the best advice ever given to me. So throw away your baggage and go forward. There are quicksands all about you sucking at your feet, trying to suck you down into fear and self-pity and despair. That's why you must walk so lightly. Lightly, my darling. Hmm. Lightly. Yes, so often, I know for myself, I've approached business as, well, you know, this is business. Mm -hmm. It's serious. It's heavy. It's important. You have to get your legalities right. You have to get Mm -hmm. your marketing plan. You have to look like you're real (laughs) in the eyes of your potential clients. Mm-hmm. in the eyes of your professional colleagues. Mm-hmm. And, and the worst tyrant of all, of course, is ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then there's this unknown public out there as well that is defined in very numerous different ways. So yeah, there's lots of seriousness for sure. Yeah. I think this, I was drawn to this because... We can be so serious and even about our purpose, right? Like, oh my gosh, what's my purpose? And then we try really hard to figure out our purpose. And I did this for a while years ago when I was trying to transition out of the nonprofit world. And I hired a coach and I went through this long process And this whole investigative process led me to uncovering that I should probably still stay in marketing. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's more than one famous poet who has said something to the effect of, we go round and round and round and come back to the place we began. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't go to business school. 
my degree was political science in Spanish. And I thought I was going to be an activist, a lobbyist, which I did for a short little bit. So I don't know the typical business approach, but I can't imagine in most business schools, they talk about, let's discover your purpose. So I think that's something that I wish we did. I wish we helped younger kids better understand themselves. Because I think if we understand who we are, Mm -hmm. that purpose will be more clear. I think you're right. And we won't have to go seeking for it. Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. And we won't have to be so bludgeoned by it. Mm -hmm. So I can give you an example. Mm -hmm. I'll take me for an example because I'm somewhat familiar with myself. When I hear that question about, like, what's your purpose? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, oh, shit. I mean, it's, that is an arduous question. Like, my purpose for what? With whom? When? You know, like, which purpose? Like, my purpose of, like, what's for dinner tonight? <laughs> my purpose for, like, what I'm doing with my life on this planet? I mean, it's one of those questions where, yes, we have to know something about that. But at the same time, I mean, just to say, it's like, do you know what your purpose is? Like, well, what do you mean do I know what my purpose is? I mean... Actually, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what kind of human being are you not to know your purpose? Mm -hmm. Because it's like such an important thing. So let's just put that to the side for the moment. Because I hate that question. I find it very troublesome. But when you ask, when you you suggest, if you know something about yourself, Mm -hmm. also at times a difficult thing. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But very useful in terms of considering purpose. So for example... One of the things that I know about myself, one of the things I've watched myself do over the course of decades, even though I'm an introvert, even though I don't like big groups, I tend to be kind of an enzyme. I connect people together. I'm not trying to. Mm -hmm. It's not because I'm extrovert and, hey, you should meet Mm so-and-so. But I have found that for whatever reason, I'm often at a place and with some people, and I recognize that this person over here, and I recognize that that person over there, it's like these two people should know each other, and I'll connect them up. And, you know, people have gotten jobs because of the way that's happened. People have started businesses. I mean, 
all kinds of things happen. And when I look at what I've done with the podcast, the podcast is a very enzymatic type experience. There's people that I meet and I go, oh, wow, you're interesting to talk to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I share it with thousands of my closest Chinese medicine friends. (laughs) So, and again, I find that to be an aspect of who I am. I don't try to be that way. I probably wouldn't put it on a resume, but it's something that I've noticed. And so when I think about purpose, and I look at something like with the podcast, it's like, well, why do you do that? Well, that's kind of the person I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Podcast is a great avenue for me to allow that curious part of me to come out. Right. You would be doing that anyways. It's just a larger vehicle to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you were to ask me, what's the purpose of the podcast? I wouldn't say, so Michael Matt can be an enzyme. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, that's fascinating, huh? Yeah, when I talk to people about, because sometimes people will come to me and say, oh my gosh, how did you go from where you were to where you are now? Which is like the big question of life. Right. For so many things. I did sit down many, many times and ask myself, what is my freaking purpose? Why am I here? You know, and I would come up with all these things and it's like, okay, well then... How do you take that and get a job? Mm. So I don't typically talk about purpose. I ask different questions. And the questions I tend to ask people are more about me understanding who they are. And perhaps by me asking those questions, they are also able to see better true reflection of who they are in the mirror. Because so many of us are, I think, especially in Western society, the U.S. specifically, are conditioned by our culture, which is very young, very go get them, work hard. You know, everyone's burned out. You got to work. You got to work harder. If you're not successful, it's because you're not working hard enough. So go out there and work harder. And then in school, you know, our educational system is set up and it doesn't accommodate a lot of kids who don't learn a certain way, need to move more. And so it's almost like if you've ever seen cows going into a branding shoot, you've got hundreds, thousands of cows backed up and they're waiting in line to go into the branding chute. And so over time, it gets more narrow and more narrow until that one cow walks through. So over time, we're all kind of conditioned to see such narrow focus and learn such a narrow focus of the story of me. And most of the time, that story that we all walk around with, the story of me, is so tiny. It's not an accurate story of me or you or anybody else. And so it usually takes someone else to ask some different questions, or sadly, it takes disease or cancer or a death for someone to truly wake up and realize that they are more than who they think they are. You said something about certain questions can help 
bring information out. That's a reflection of that person. Sometimes we need other people with a big heart and a big mind to ask questions and be able to listen so that we can have, I'm going to say, a reliable mirror to experiment with and get a sense of who we actually are. I think your point about culture is well taken. And and I would also say it's not just our culture that's very young driven. I've spent some time in Asia. Yes, right. Talk about work hard, work hard. Yeah, right. Yes. Oh, my God. Well, and the suicide rates there are in Japan, especially. Yeah, crazy, insane. That just might be an aspect of humans in general, or at least industrialized humans. I don't know. But I love this idea of a person being like a reliable reflection Mm -hmm. to help us understand who we are, usually when we're going through our ideas of what we should be, or we're looking to use the society as a whole to reflect back who we are. Well, that's just a crazy clown house of mirrors. (laughs) We're going to get a very distorted picture. And so having a reliable human being who can ask helpful questions, reflect back what they're hearing, help us to get a better reflection of ourselves, that's a rare and precious conversation. It can be, and you have to select the right person, somebody who can come and speak to you with no agenda, right? Like you work with horses. Yeah, right, (laughs) right, yes. Because it's hard to talk to family members because they have a story of who you are. Friends have a story of who you are. And the other piece of it is also the other person's self I keep going back to self-awareness. Because if the other person is truly self-aware, then no matter what you say, no matter what you share, there's no threat to that other person. That other person is not going to feel lesser than or defensive or any number of things. So yeah, so you do need to choose your victim wisely. (laughs) Now, I'm thinking again about the time that you spent in business, even though business was not the place that you were headed toward. You know, it's so funny in life. We go to school and we think we're going in one direction and then other things happen. It's so often the case. I don't know about you. So often for me, when other things happen, I feel like, oh, this situation's broken and I'm broken. And what a mess. Of course, in retrospect, those are usually very freeing moments to take another path. Or maybe even let go of something that was never right for you in the first place. 100%. Yeah. So I'm curious to know, what are some of the questions that you like to explore in this kind of a reflective process? One of the first ones I ask, you know, if someone's really at the very beginning and just has nowhere to go and just doesn't know where to start, I will ask them to spend some time thinking about when they were young, six, seven, eight, nine, that kind of tender age before there was a lot of judgment on, oh, you're not the cool kid, you are the cool kid, that kind of stuff. And just what they love to do, where they love to hang out, who they love to hang out with, why, what did they 
immerse themselves in when they were young. And then, you know, kind of calling out, okay, so what are those qualities? Why is that? Let's say the person said that when they were young, they would, um, back in our generation, we could go out and be gone all day long. Nobody would care. And so maybe... As long as you were home for dinner. Yes, you had to be home for dinner. My dad had a cowbell. And if you did not hear that cowbell, you were in trouble. So I'll use me as an example. So when I was that age, we lived in the forest. My parents had bought a house in Minnesota. It was a new subdivision. So they had clear cut an area where the houses were being built. But the rest of the forest was still there, totally untouched. And we were little, five, six, seven. And we lived in that forest, climbed trees, bugs, rocks, I mean, everything. And so when I think about the qualities and what it was about that, for me, it was freedom. It was that sense of harmony. Because there wasn't a lot of harmony in my household. Mm. So the harmony of a forest with the birds. And if you haven't been in a forest lately, like truly a forest, where you are literally surrounded by trees, you really need to go there because it's like a cathedral. There's something about that sound that is, oh, it's just amazing. So I'm looking for little clues, little snippets that I can reflect back to them about certain qualities and then ask about, okay, now as an adult, what do you get lost in besides Netflix, besides your phone? You know, if you could do anything and there were no repercussions for a day, your husband, your wife, your kids, no repercussions, do anything what would you do for a day? What would you want to get lost in? It's that feeling of getting lost, that feeling of being in the flow where time escapes you and it feels like it's an hour and it's been four. So what is that? And usually, usually there's some connection between that little kid and the qualities back then and that older kid as an adult. So that's usually where I start asking questions if somebody's just starting. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jing well points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles 
at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, there's so much that we have that's innate to us. And I think you're on to something with that age and time. A bit self-aware, not too self-aware. Enough self-aware to know, kind of know what you're about, at least know what you like or what you don't, but not so self-aware that you're hamstrung by the expectations and opinions of others. And then to be able to bring that forward. Um, that would certainly connect you up with something deeply enlivening within yourself. And then beyond that, let's say someone, maybe they've got a practice. They're in the midst of it. It's kind of working. They're kind of tired. Or it's like, it's working, but it's drudgery. Maybe I should have been a barista. Maybe I should have sold stocks and bonds. I don't know. People have all kinds. I know for myself, sometimes I think, what have I done with my life? I've really screwed it up. Maybe I should have done this other thing. I usually take those as moments. Oh, pause. Mm -hmm. What's true now? So the question I really like to ask is, so who do you think you are? Oh. <laughs> Not like, who the hell do you think you are? What I'm trying to get at is, what's the story you're telling yourself mm -hmm. about who you are? Which includes that other, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> it can, sure. <laughs> Let's just say it's in yes. there, but it's bigger than that. Right. Who do you think you are? Right. Because then we can get to person who's been in a practice, who's been, you know, clocking in at nine, clocking out at five. He's doing the work. He's got regular clients or she. There's a lot of expectations because there are kids at home. There's college coming up. There's a wife who just got laid off or a husband who just got laid off. And so there's this big giant, it's not just the story of me. It's the story of this life that I've constructed in a certain way. And so hearing that story and then asking, is that true? Do you believe that story? I would dare a guess that by and large, the initial answer is yes, I have believed this story. And then a certain amount of suffering arises. That's an opportunity to question the story. I don't know about other people, but I know for myself, I don't question my stories. I don't question the solutions that I found to previous problems until those solutions have become the new problem. Ooh, wait, say that again. I don't question the solutions to my previous problems until they become my new problem. So let me concretize that a bit. I have found so many times in my life, I'm trying to solve a problem. I'm trying to make money, or I'm trying to find a relationship, or I'm trying to figure out where to live, whatever, how to get along with other people, right? As an introvert, it's like always like, how do I get along with other people? Do I even want to? Right. It's a lot of effort. And I'll find some sort of a solution. Ooh, I'm going to do this job. Oh, that'll fix the money-making problem. That's my solution. Yeah, this is a great solution until that solution becomes my new problem. Oh, if I'm like this, somebody will like me and I can get into a relationship. That works until the very thing 
that was attractive to that person is now the thing that is driving them crazy about me. Right, because you didn't get to the root. It's like Chinese medicine, right? You didn't get to the root. I don't think it's about the root. You don't think it's about the root of the issue? Maybe, but my suspicion is because, I mean, maybe other people are like way smarter and have a lot more intellectual firepower, but when I'm crafting a solution to a problem I've had, I know that it's taking me in a new direction and I'm grateful for that, but I can't see the territory of trouble that it's sailing me toward that I will arrive at three years down the road. I'm not saying that my current problems in the solutions I've had in the past are bad. I'm just saying I recognize that my current solution to most any problem will probably become the ground, the foundation of the next problem I need to solve. It's not a bad thing. I see it more as a developmental process. Totally. Yes. Because I'm not sure that we're all supposed to be living out this big, magical, this woo-woo purpose that's going to save the world. And we're all very, very different people. And so some of us will have a more simplistic look at that and just have wonderful jobs that they can be very happy with and not feel like they have to solve any number of societal issues. But then other people, maybe they have a deeper need to do something more. Well, again, I'm not one of those solve larger societal problems type people. I would call that hubris in many cases. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, there are Martin Luther Kings. There are Gandhis. There are Buddhas and Jesuses. And there's someone in every generation, Mm -hmm. you know, who has like massive impact. My suspicion is the vast majority of us are muddling along looking for an okay enough life Mm -hmm. where we can feel good about ourselves. And in whatever corner of the world we have some dominion in, to do what we can to make it a little bit better. Right. That might just be your neighborhood. No, totally. It might be your family. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. I mean... But there's often this idea that if we're not like doing something on this big, big scale... Right. Then it's not as valid. And I I just want to call bullshit on that. Totally. Mm. I agree. I don't know where this came from, but, you know, I, I will hear it frequently from people and they'll say, you know, I just thought I was going to do something bigger with my life. Mm. And I'm not sure where that comes from, but I think having a beautiful family or a marriage or a partnership or a business or living in a community that you feel connected to, those can be really big things. One person reflecting to anyone else beauty and love and generosity and kindness and healthy leadership can make a big difference, maybe a couple people at a time. Well, I'm thinking about all the troubles in our world at this moment. There's plenty. Oh, gosh. Yes. I don't need to review any of the headlines. All y'all out there will have a headline or eight pop to mind about how awful it is out there. Uh, like, like, what are y'all doing about it? What do you, you know, what should I do about it? What should we do about it? And I'm thinking for myself at this point, you know, it's a good day. 
if I can just keep a little peace in my family and take a moment where there's been a difficulty and patch that up and heal it. I fail in my family all the time. We all do. With that kind oh my of gosh. thing. I fail all the time. And I've got the good fortune to have a practice where I get to work with patients where I also, sometimes I'm helpful and sometimes I fail often. And, and yet to have these kind of practices where we can do what we can where we are. And I don't know what to say about that other than in some ways it's the hardest work I have. And it shows me my true character. And it gives us an opportunity to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. And so if at the end of the day, for me, if I have learned something or I have grown from an interaction and I can reflect on it, and even if it didn't turn out exactly the way I wanted it to, if I can reflect on it and have learned something from it, I can rest knowing that tomorrow I will enter into tomorrow a little more aware. So I want to come back to the question Mm -hmm. that we started with. What are we here for? (laughs) You know, there's another (laughs) practice. This is a writing practice that I got maybe from Natalie Goldberg. I can't remember. Where you, you can write down a question like this. What am I here for? Mm-hmm. And then you just go and write and write and write and write for five minutes. And when you get to the end of like what you think you have to say, you then write the words, and what else am I here for? Mm-hmm. That's a great one. And write and write and write. And what am I here for? So it's one of those questions. It's almost like you're being a two-year-old with yourself. Why? What? What else? Right. Right. <laughs> and it's one of those inquiries I suspect, like most good questions, we never stop answering. Right. And every day it might be something different. God, I hope so. Yeah. And if you think about that idea of a person who's in practice and they're kind of plodding along and their job and they're not really inspired, even having a little reflection like that each day, if there's a little glimmer of some answer, and how they enter their practice that day, that may help. Wow. Thank you. That could be a very helpful way to start the day. Just reflect for a moment before my patients come in. What am I here for? Just And see what comes up in that day. See what comes up in that moment. And then see how the day unfolds. And then do it again the next day. Just see what happens. It sounds like a great little experiment. I, I think I'm going to try that. Years ago, I studied A Course in Miracles quite a bit, and there's a daily prayer that I still say every morning, and it's, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say, and to whom? Mm. And I love that, and sometimes I have to remind myself, even several times throughout the day, because, you know, somebody will come into my space and I might be trying to get somewhere and I'm initially thinking this is an interruption. And then I remind myself of this little prayer. Somebody is here in front of me. So maybe this is the person I'm really supposed to interact with today. 
they're here. And so I tried my natural inclination because I too am an introvert. I was in disguise for most of my life as an extrovert, but I really am an introvert. So if I could pick, I would love to say no to everything. But I would end up in this little cloistered nutshell of a life. You might be surprised. (laughs) You might be surprised. And and this may be another conversation. I was recently talking to somebody and and saying, yeah, right now my practice is saying no to pretty much everything. Because I've said yes to way too much. Yeah. And and I need to like throw some cargo off the boat or this damn boat's going to sink. Yes, right. And he recommended a book called Essentialism. And it's about like really knowing what to, like figuring out what to say yes to. Yeah. And those of us that always thought, hey, I can just glue one more thing on. It'll make this thing great to begin to look at a process of what can I take away to make it better? Mm-hmm. Kind of like what I'm doing with the podcast in a way. What can I take away to make it better? Yes. The empty cup. Well... We could go on for a while, but I think we'll just have to come back another day. <laughs> Empty Cup is a great place to end it. Sounds good. Sam, as ever, a complete delight. Oh, I could talk to you forever. Thank you. Till next time, then. Sounds good. Bye. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. (laughs) 